Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. So the topic today is how to buy or sell a property management company. That's a quite a vast topic, and I have, I think, a person or a guest here who is certainly able to speak to uh, to the topic and uh, um, clarify many, many uh, uh, different things that um, that I guess confuse the issue. As as not a lot of, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of property management companies are being sold and bought every year. So there are very, very few experts out there. And uh, I have a guest here. His name is uh, Mike Catalano. He is a CEO uh, and a president of a company called Real Estate Connections here in the Bay Area. He's also an angel investor um, and a good friend. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Alex. Appreciate it. Hey, good to hear from you. So um, let's start with a question that I I wonder myself what the answer would be, and that is why people buy a property management company. Why would you buy a property management company? What's some of the reasons behind this? Well, you know, it's the fastest way to grow your business. Um, I mean, it's always great to grow organically and to advertise, uh, of course, online and word of mouth and through, you know, lots of people get referrals uh, through real estate agents. And those are great to maintain your company uh, and to help grow it at a decent pace. But the quickest way is to buy one. Gotcha. So you're saying that buying a company is essentially, you know, uh, expedite the growth of your own company. It's the fastest way to grow your own company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Google can guarantee you that you're going to get 200 properties in a year and you can do that all in one time by purchasing one uh, for close to or the price that you would pay Google, and I think it'd be a good buy. Gotcha. Now, how, so let's say, for those out there who potentially want to grow their companies through acquisitions, how would you go out and find a property management company for sale? Yeah, it's an interesting one because they're hard to come by. Um, you know, word of mouth through the industry. Uh, what I do, I used to not really tell a whole lot of people that I was interested in purchasing. And many years ago, I mentioned it in a networking group because I always thought it was a little arrogant in a way saying that you're going to buy somebody's company and it's personal right it's personal yeah it is and you don't want to come across that way but i also found out by letting people know people would be open to it and come talk to you about it um so i let people in networking groups that i knew um let let your local chapters um local and maybe state chapters of narpum know uh banks that hold trust accounts for property management companies. I mean, there's not a whole lot of them. So obviously the bank that you use to hold your trust account, they're important to to let know as well. Um, I came across a few business brokers that uh, I was putting offers in on certain ones. I let them know that I'm always open to looking. Uh, So it really became a word of mouth thing uh, to find out about them for the most part. So that 
But that initial notion of of you kind of keeping it to yourself was, uh, and when did you, so let me take take a step back. When was the first time that you bought a company? I mean, how many years ago did you buy your first company? So I actually helped a company that I worked for when I was in my early 20s uh, purchase one. And that's how I helped them actually purchase a handful of them. And those were the first ones that I went through. So I wasn't actually the owner of that particular company where, you know, early on in my, my years. But uh, I went through that purchase with them. You know, I, was, I was director of operations of a large property management firm. So I went through the operations part of the purchase, and um, that's how I first started doing it. And also, later on in my years, we purchased them at uh, my company as well. So it's changed a ton over the years on how it works. The valuations have changed. um, How to find them have changed. How many people might be buying or selling them have changed. uh, But that's how it all started, really. Cool. And so a few years after that, here you are in our podcast, uh, um, you know, being an expert on the subject. So, by the way, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's, it's a great subject, I think, because it always comes up at every NARPM event that I've ever been to. It's really come up and, and it's a real interest to a lot of people on how you do it. And we'll get into it a little more. But unfortunately, it's not a perfect science to it. It really comes down to what makes sense for you as yeah. a property management company owner. I, I'm with you on this. Well, what is a perfect science these days? Things are shifting and changing so fast. Um, but, you know, there are some uh, fundamental kind of frameworks that we can apply to a lot of these things. And I think buying and purchasing a company uh, will have its framework. And, of course, there's a the dynamic shifts of, of components. But I think the framework, we can we can put it together uh, um, and, and at least allow people – uh, some sort of a foundation when they're looking at these things. Sure. So um, really, I think a question I get a lot, and I just got this on as a comment, one of our blogs, you know, how do you evaluate a property management company? Yeah, so that's why it comes down to being pretty interesting because eva- when, you, when you evaluate a company to purchase, you have to evaluate it what it's worth to you, right? Um, a lot of times the people who are selling it will set a price. So you have a price set, you have a general understanding of what they're looking for, then you have to really dive in deep into your finances. What does it, how does it make sense for you? Uh, if I'm, when I go to purchase one, generally I can absorb a lot of the properties. So that in turn will make me allow, allow me to pay more because I will make more off of it in the long run. I mean, you're not going to make money right off the bat generally because you have to come down with, with the payment and uh, and how you structure that is up to you as well. Uh, there are a few areas where you can just say generalities on how you set prices. Uh, people do multipliers. Uh, it could be taking the property management uh, contracts, uh, monthly contracts, and doing a, a, a monthly multiplier on that. Uh, you know, if a company has you know, 100 properties at $100 per month, and that's $10,000 a month in property management contracts. Uh, and then you do a multiplier. I mean, that could be anywhere from 8 to 16. I mean, it, it really depends on the seller, the buyer, the area that you're in. Uh, so all of those come to become a factor. Uh, and then you also have to take into consideration any other revenue that they may have. Uh, but that's a starting point is one of those, a multiplier. You could also do yearly revenue as well and do it's obviously a smaller multiplier of one to two maybe um and those are just basics and like i said it comes down to what makes sense for you uh but those are kind of the standards of what i've seen how people break it down because you're really you're buying the property management contracts 
that's the most important thing when you're doing this if, if you're a property management company. They may have a maintenance department that could cost, you know, you know, could get some revenue in their in their pocket. They could have sales. Uh, they can have leasing fees. There are other things that come involved. And if they are going to add those into the purchase, you really need to see three years of consistency of those. I don't want to see a one-off of $200,000 remodel of their maintenance that they never had before and they boost up their sale because of that. So really, I look at the property management first, their contracts, and then I move from that to other revenue they may have, and that could add the price up uh, if it does come out to being a consistency over a few years' time. Few years time. Gotcha. But so, so portfolio, then other sources of income with, uh, um, with, I guess, a bit of a timeline of what they have been doing for the last three years, in other words, seeing either a, a, a consistent growth or a consistent revenue before you can put any kind of price on these additional revenue streams. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, and really, like I said, you have a starting point of doing a multiplier. Uh, and I, like I said, I like the monthly, I like taking the manage, the property management contracts, finding out what they're making per month on those contracts. And I like doing a multiplier of that. That's my, that, that's the starting point that gives you a number. Um, person selling it, the company, they may already have their numbers, the numbers set, and then you can work backwards from there. Uh, but that's kind of the, uh, the standard way that I start and then go from there. Gotcha. Now, let me ask you this. Um, and this, I haven't heard an answer to this question. I, I really didn't really, I don't think you and I never discussed this or we didn't discuss it in detail, but I want to know. Uh-oh. So yeah, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking, let's, let's pull, put it out there. Um, what about the brand value? So think about your own company. Think about the amount of money uh, you've invested over time in building your uh, your website, your brand, building your marketing, having this almost to a level where it's automated and consistent, and you can look at your business, right, your own business, mm-hmm. Real Estate Connections, and you can fairly predict how many properties, new properties you're going to get for the next year because you have that long history of new, you know, new business acquisition through marketing, through referrals and other channels. How does that come into play when you price a shop? Yeah, so I think that you have two different ways. You have valuing the property management company you're purchasing and then evaluating the company. So when you're purchasing the, the, the company, you have a numbers that you're working with first and then you have the evaluation of the company itself. So you're looking at that company's reputation, who the broker is. Do you know them? Will they be easy to work with? Um, will that company, if you're bringing over, because you can either be buying the entire company or just buying the contracts. If you're buying the company, the branding of that company is important. If they've been a, had a long-standing re, uh, relationship in the industry for many years, then yeah, that's going to mean something. Uh, and if you think that their name alone is going to bring you value then that's something you're going to have to look at. Um, you know, you could check the reputation online, how many years that, uh, they've been on in business. Um, the property locations that they have will, will come into play as well. Uh, the conditions of those properties uh, will come into play. Uh, so, and it's difficult because if you're buying 500 units, you're not going to be able to go look at 500 properties. So surely, surely not. Uh, you have to kind of take a handful of them as well. And then you're going to look into, you know, dive deep into their books. And that comes into the due diligence stage. Uh, but the branding of a company is important if you are buying that full company. You know, there are, have been times where I've purchased the company itself with the name. And there's other times I just purchased the contracts because you're not interested in the name. Or 
that person is interested in keeping that name for the future. Gotcha. So, so it really depends. Um, can we say that um, what, from what I've seen, and we have you know hundreds of clients across the whole United States. I work with property managers for a long time. I've seen a lot of companies bought and sold, and we have customers who bought and sold companies, and and we have new management comes in, and they still work with us, and we have the continuity of relationships. Sometimes they don't. But what I see a lot is a company, a smaller companies with less established brands usually are valued on the basis of their portfolio, of their management contracts. Larger companies uh, can have a, you know, a, a, an a much much different valuation based on the additional revenue streams we you and I just discussed, based on the brand value. So um, that that's the general kind of cons- what from what i've seen have you seen like smaller companies actually uh, uh be able to uh value their brand and get a higher price um yeah i would say i have in the past right now this market is so hot and everybody wants to buy one so i feel the evaluations are pretty similar um if you're buying a larger company the one thing that they're going to have is everything in place um if you have a mom pop shop which there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, there's lots of good, really good ones out there, and that's what they choose to stay smaller because it's easier to manage. But when you get into the larger companies, they have usually their policies and procedures are set. Um, the office dynamics are all set up. Uh, so you can come in and basically work with them directly and, and implement things more quickly uh, by having them implement, you know, and they're probably having the, soft, the property management software in place. They probably have their accounting uh, more in place because they have to because of how large they are. So um, sometimes I could see that easier to evaluate because they will have all the numbers right in front of you. Um, so I think that's a good thing. But right now, because of the market and, and, and how people realize that you can actually make money in property management, um, the evaluations, I feel, have been pretty similar all around. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it's the, just that that appeal of consistent recurring revenue with uh, you know with with an absolute great opportunity for additional revenue sources. I'd say it's a big appeal for the property management business for me and many people, uh, many other people. Yeah, I mean that's that's why you see a lot of realtors now getting into it because you know with low inventory, not nothing to buy, nothing to sell. There's a lot of realtors that are getting into the property management industry because of the uh, monthly recurring revenue. Yep. Gotcha. So uh, let's talk about actually structuring the, uh, the transactions. How are they typically structured? Yeah. So those vary as well. Uh, you got to remember you're dealing with two different entities. Um, sometimes, most of the time, the seller of the company has never been through a transaction of, a, of selling their company or purchasing another company. So there's a lot of, lot of learning curves that I've learned in, over time. But in general, you know, you want to have, obviously, you agree on a purchase price. Generally, I put together a letter of intent uh, that has the main points of the contract that we're looking to do. And we forward that over to the company that we're buying. You come to an agreement on the letter of intent. Uh, once you come to agreement on that, then you put the contract in place. Now, the contract has to have some structure involved because, you know, you're buying the contracts. And every, like I said, this is why it gets complicated. Every company is different on how they set their property management contracts. Some are month-to-month. Some have leasing fees. Some don't have leasing fees. Some are long-term contracts. So you have to look at all those on how you're going to structure your purchase contract because the goal here for both sides is to keep as many properties under the management of the new company as possible. 
the more you keep as the buyer, the more you're going to make. The more that buyer keeps, the more the seller is going to make. Because what you also want to have is what we call like a clawback cause. And meaning that if you lose any properties over a period of time, that person or that company would, uh, that would come off the top, basically. Uh, and that's maybe sometimes over a six to 12 month period. Because you got to remember when you're buying contracts, that individual owner didn't choose you. You know, they chose right. the other company. You, that you're buying them. They're getting purchased by you. So you need to make sure that you can do everything under your power to keep them under your management and prove to them that you're the right person. And we can go over how there's things to do in that process as well. But as far as the structure on it, you, you, you do um, the contract, the purchase price. There will be a contingency phase in there that you'll need to, to put in there. But so you can do your due diligence. I generally bring in an auditor to look at the, the company uh, at their at their books. Um, if they have a property management software that you can look at, that would be great. That you can really dive into their accounting. Um, that's important. You'll set a, a deposit that you would put down and have a company that can escrow it. Um, I had Chicago Title escrow them before. Uh, it's usually, a title company is a good company to escrow these the, these transactions. So you could put the deposit in there, and then you set up a pay structure. Uh, where you can kind of pay over time. And, and some people finance this for years. I don't generally like to do that. But even if you're going to pay all cash, you still structure it to where you're going to pay over, you know, have payment plans over time because you want to make sure that that company you're buying from is actually going to help you through the process. It's so important that you work together as a team when doing this. Otherwise, if there's any type of friction between the two, the clients are going to see it. And it's, it's, it could fall apart. So you set up a payment, you know, maybe a small payment at the beginning, a larger payment after three months, another larger payment after six months, and maybe the full payment after eight or nine months, depending on how you, you want to structure it and how the transaction is ultimately going. Gotcha. So that's interesting. So even if you're paying cash, um, you're saying that it's, it's best to have it structured payments instead of bulk sum because you want that co cooperation on the other end, right? Yeah, I, I like to have that. I mean, if it... Like in the cases of late, uh, you have multiple offers on these things. You may have to come up a little quickly. Maybe it's a 30-day close. Maybe it's a 60-day close. And you're still closing. That's the thing. You're going to close on the transaction but have a plan in place, and plan in place to purchase and, and send the money. Because you're also, with that clawback, you need to have money in escrow that you can take things off the top if you don't keep all those, all those properties. There are times where... Some people say, look, you have 30 days, it is what it is, this is what you get, and sometimes you have to do that because of the, uh, you know, the competition out there looking to purchase. My way is doing it in a perfect world where you can set that up, and sometimes you might have to overpay to do that, and I think it's worth it in some cases. But other times, a company may say, hey, look, I want a 30 to 45-day close. At the end of that 30 to 45 days, we're done. Gotcha. gotcha. And that could be a way as well. Gotcha. So... What about um, things that not don't go so well? So, can you share uh, potentially, you know, without actually, you know, being naming any names or anything like that? But uh, can you share some of the things that potentially can go wrong so people can need to watch out for for buying and or selling their company? Yeah, you know, and I want to be careful. I mean, I'm not I'm obviously not going to name anybody, but if I tell specific stories and somebody listens to it, they may know who we're talking about. But like I said, when, when you're valuing the company, you look for large one-off 
sales that they may have inconsistencies in their numbers over years time. Uh, cause you don't want someone to just have a really one really good year. And then all of a sudden that drops off. I mean, there were a lot of sales that happened last year for property management companies and maybe that's going to drop off next year. So you have to look at that. Uh, I also could say that getting the contract nailed down is difficult as well. Um, everyone has different ideas. A lot of people want to bring their attorney attorneys involved, which I think is okay. But I think it's important if you do use an attorney, try and find one that's been through a purchase of a property management company before. It's a different type of animal. It's not just buying a regular company. There's a lot of entities involved and, and companies have to work really well together. So you want to make sure that that contract doesn't get overly wordy and, and, and kind of start tripping over itself, so to speak. Right, um, right. So those are important things. And like I said, when it comes down to everything, the most important thing is that the two companies work together. Uh, because if you, like if I was selling my company, you know, we care about our clients. We want to make sure, you know, we've built these clients over years. Most of our clients have been with us for 10 plus years. We want to make sure we take really good care of them. If I'm selling it's, you know, I want to make sure they're in good hands. Uh, so I would be through the process with the buyer all the way through and making sure that my client is, is happy. Right. Gotcha. Yep. No, that, that, that is important. That is key. Now let's, Take us uh, uh, take a quick shift here um, and talk about actually integrating uh, the new company into your own company. So let's say you bought a company. Let's say it was just a, a um, you know a portfolio of properties. You didn't necessarily acquire a brand. What is some of the steps that you take to integrate it in your into your business and have that smooth transition experience for the clients? Yeah. So as well as team. Yeah, the, the first thing you want to do is, as an owner of the company buying the property management contracts, you want to personally, I don't care if there's a thousand of them, personally contact each and every client. It's such an important touch, I feel, that they say, they speak with the owner and who's taking this, this, their properties over. I mean, this is a huge asset for them. It's super important that it's going to the right person. So I would reach out to every single client personally, give them a call, introduce yourself. Of course, you'll have letters and introductory stuff that go out as well, but you want to have that personal touch. So first off, you call every single one of them and tell them who you are, tell them how you handle things. Secondly, you don't want to have a lot of change. Don't go through and have all kinds of different types of contracts for the new clients you may or may not have them sign a new contract. It depends on how you structure the deal. And if you do it, make sure it's the same. Don't have more fees in there, higher fees, or anything that would scare them off. Um, that's important as well. And then I also set up a meet and greet at the office uh, multiple times. Because if you have a lot of clients that you're purchasing their contracts, you need to have multiple times to have them available. That Let them come into your office see who you are, meet you in person, have some refreshments and hors d'oeuvres or something, and let them answer, uh, ask any questions they may have, and let them know that you're a, a real office and real people and how long you've been in the industry, you know, and that way you have a smooth transaction to keep as many of those contracts that you're purchasing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And as far as the... Um uh, the actual integration of the processes and systems. So now that you welcome the clients on, uh, on board, they're on board, they met you at the office, a lot of them got your personal phone call, things are going well. Um, 
Now, how do you actually make sure that your your existing processes kind of match up with those clients' expectations? And and you know, it's like so. So I think about my business getting two hundred clients all of a sudden would 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 make, put a strain on our team, right? Incredible strain on our team. So how do you deal with that? Well, so that's why when you're you have this already kind of set up before the process starts. So you have everything ready to go. And when you say go, now you're in the management company for these, for these clients. And it depends too, because sometimes when you buy a company, you bring over employees that come over there, which is a good thing in, in some ways. But you know, it's unfortunate that you always can't keep every employee that you purchase a company for. It's just the nature of, of an acquisition of a firm. But if you are keeping some of them, that's a familiar face for those clients, which is great. You already have it set up for them. You have their, you know, the administrative stuff set up, the computer, the desk, the email, all that stuff is already ready to go. You bring over all the, the, the folders and everything's already here before you say go. And then when you say go, we are the management company. You've already contacted all the clients. Then you just have the management of it. If you are absorbing some of them, you have, you know, in our case, we're a portfolio management company. If we bought 100 units and I only brought over one employee from the other company, if they're only managing 50 units, then I have 50 units that I am going to disperse throughout my company. So they are, each individual manager already knows what they're managing and they've already been introduced to that client. So basically, it's just a smooth transition of managing the property. Well, the important part is when you do start the management is... If there are calls, calls from that client, calls from that tenant, that you are super attentive. Not that you wouldn't be anyway, but you really have to coddle these people at the beginning, these clients at the beginning, uh, to make sure they understand that you're there for them. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that sounds up. Um, I hope that answers the, the administrative part of it or how you're ready to <clears throat> excuse me, get things started. It sure what? does. It sure does. I mean, it, it's, it, it sounds like be preemptive, right? To build the capacity in place. I mean, put the capacity, put the plan in place before you actually have them come in. And then, you know, when, when, you, when they're ready, they just fall into the place and the work commences. So Yeah, and it's different every time because sometimes you may absorb the entire company because maybe you're only buying 30 units. Um, if you're buying 300, you're bringing employees over. So you've already would have had the talk with those employees. You already have their salary set up, their desk set up. Everything's all ready to go. You've already had these talks before you actually take over the management. Gotcha. I have a, another question that I haven't discussed with anybody yet, and I'm very curious, and I think our listeners will be as well. Are you personally, um, would you consider buying a company outside of your service area, number one, and number two, outside of the state, potentially? Yes, definitely. So for us, we look to start anywhere in California because that's where we're licensed. If you go outside of the state of California, you know, it gets a little different for you. I mean, I think property management, for the most part, can be figured out in any state. But you have to make sure you have your licensing in place and and you can actually do this. Um, uh, I haven't done one outside of uh, our state um, I know companies that have, and I have talked to people who have done it, and it has worked well. Um, you will be moving quite, you know, flying back and forth, and you have to be very involved in setting up shop there for a while. Uh, but you can really, because of the softwares that are in place, the property management softwares, you know, almost everything is done online. It can act, it can definitely be done. So we're open to anywhere in California, and then I, 
will look elsewhere outside of the state, but it has to be a, a perfect situation. Surely, surely. I got you. All right. One last question. Can we finish with this one last one? I think that uh, may uh, help other companies uh, um, or other business owners uh, kind of start building their value early. So and the question is this. Um, what can companies do now to come up with the highest valuation, best price, best exit strategy in the future? Well, the simple answer is to, to grow your business as large as possible. Uh, <laughs> okay. <a> big, <laughs> but in general, you want to have all your policies and procedures in place. You want to have your office running ex- extremely smooth where you're not having to do any day-to-day. I mean, everything is run within the office, <clears throat> and it's running smoothly. Um, you want to have your books in order. I think that a good idea would have a CPA come in and, and do an audit of your company. Uh, if you're going to sell your company, you need to make sure if you're using QuickBooks or whatever it may be to do to run your not your property management part, your company part, right? So there's the property management books that are maybe through a property management software. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are your clients' books, right? Then you have your company books where you're doing payroll and uh, and um, your revenue and things like that. So when you're running your forecasts, your uh, balance sheet, your cash flow statements, all of those things need to be in line perfectly. So I would recommend having a CPA come in and do an audit of the company and maybe they'll do an evaluation. I don't think you have to go do one just for the heck of it, but you make sure your books are in place because that's where the real details get done is when the company comes in to do their due diligence that's buying you. We'll look through your company books very closely. So what so, I what so I hear in part. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, what I hear is t- so far two things. You know, a grow your business consistently and uh, uh, you know reliably. Have that growth kind of uh, um, over time uh, be a a kind of proven historical growth and an ability for your business to scale up. So you could potentially price that um, into your uh, future sale price as a brand. Uh, and as a solid history of growth, but also, you know, grow number of units. Let's face it, portfolio being the biggest value, <laughs> valuable asset in your company, right? Grow number of owners, but also have your books in order. Have your company financials, your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet, your, your, your payroll, all those things organized. And um, maybe it's a good idea And I, as a business owner to another business owner, I would say to some of these people, uh, some of the folks that just starting out their property management companies or kind of got their first 50, 100 units, I would say, you know, invest money in someone really good. L- help, let them come in and actually set your systems, your set your accounting systems for your own company, not for the property management stuff, but for your own company to make sure you track the financials, make sure that financials are recorded properly. And you know, I would audit my own books about every every quarter or so just to make sure I do it right. Um, and in the long run, as Mike says, this will help you. Um, you know, it's, it'll help you get the highest price um, for your business when you're ready to do it. And I, I think that it's important to have those set up because a lot of companies out there, the owner of the company does a lot of the day-to-day stuff. They're doing a lot of the property management. They're doing some of the leasing. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but it's very difficult to do all of that and keep your company books going as well. You're basically doing two and sometimes three jobs when you are smaller. Uh, and it takes time to get to that point of where you can let go. But I notice that once you let go a little bit, you actually can grow the company more quickly because you're concentrating on your own company. And it's super important if you are going to sell your company that you are so organized 
when the company comes in to look at it. You, you, they want to see that office running like a machine when they come in, uh, and then the book's looking really good. So that's, that's important as well. Um, I think the one thing I, I wanted to touch upon, Alex, is um, before we, we end up here is, is how, and we kind of touched upon it a little bit, what's the best way if you are going to sell your company where, where should you how what's the best way to approach it um and that's one thing i wanted to just touch upon because i i've seen some interesting ways that people have done it um i think the most the, the most effective one that i've ever seen was a company did an email blast to the local chapter of narpum hmm. and an entire blast and he had all their books together they had a a, a little bit of a uh, financial book that they can just they could show to everyone before they go into the actual numbers, but they just say, "Hey, this is my price. This is what we're looking to do. We have offers set on this date," and that brought them fifteen offers, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, the other way you can do it, of course, is word of mouth, and you know, I just wanted to touch upon that because that that was an interesting point. Point that if I was to sell my company, there's two ways I would go about it. One would be to do a blast like that to the NARPM chapters. And secondly, I would probably contact the brokers that I know that would be well-versed in purchasing companies that I think would fit well with the company. Gotcha. So you would actually co- contact your competitors and offer them an opportunity to buy into? Um, yeah, I think so. Well, the competitor thing is that early in my years, I kept everything close to the vest. I didn't want to tell anybody anything. And now that we've been more established, I've gotten more involved in NARPM, and I'm more willing to talk to people about anything and open up a little bit more and discuss things. So the competitors, you know, I mean, we don't talk every day, but we do have competitors here in in my area that we have good discussions on maybe once or twice a year. And, uh, you know, you keep those relationships positive. And if, if, if it does come to the point where I wanted to sell, I would have, you know, probably three companies right now for sure that I would contact, maybe four. Mm. Very interesting. So keep your competitors. You know, NARPM is the best organization, you know, for those who are not a part of it, you know, National Association of Residential Property Managers. You know, it is uh, uh, it is such an incredible way. I mean, it's, it's just hard to imagine how, uh, how, you know, competitors come together, share ideas, and actually benefit, at the end of the day, benefit each other and benefit their clients with new ideas, new processes, new systems, new technologies, new opportunities. And because of NARPM, I think part of the reason why property management is finally getting the technology it deserves from a vendor's is part of, part of it is NARPM because property managers are so closely associated that technologists like you know like the Appfolio people like the Buildium team like us four and a half we can come in and we can we can actually have a very closely knit associated group of people that we can offer our products to and and have some kind of a uh, some kind of a serious demand in place for us to continue to improve innovate and I think NARPM um, is a large part of the success the property management industry had over the last few years, um, you know, went from obscurity into real, real serious and 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 a great business to be in. Yeah, and uh, I think that with technology colliding with this industry finally, because it's always been a very stubborn industry as far as technology goes, I think that alone will help your company. If 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 I came into a company and I saw that they they were working with a marketing agency like Four and a Half, they they used. Uh, uh, Appfolio or Buildium or, or a company like that, and they have that in place, and they have all this technology, and, and they're in the forefront of technology. To me, that would make them a more sought-after company to purchase as well. Gotcha. Um, well, so let's 
I think we had a great discussion, Mike. I appreciate all of your time. So let's leave it this. Um, if people have a question or they need a bit of advice, can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy, and I have done it um, over the last few years, uh, spoken to people about evaluating companies and discussing if it makes sense, because it's so hard to sit here and talk about how to evaluate and what makes the most sense for each individual. There's just too many variables involved. Always happy to talk. It's just a discussion, um, 100% available. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate your time, and Mike's contact info is going to be in the show notes. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your time, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for having me on, Alex. Appreciate it.